my biggest one that I, I keep going back to with really a lot of people is if you just include produce at every meal. So whether that's fruit or vegetables, you know, like breakfast, it makes a little bit more sense to have fruit or maybe like if you make an omelet, like throw in like different veggies or whatever you have and then lunch make sure that you have a serving of vegetables maybe even fruit and then dinner same thing like that's a that's something that you might already be doing but you're not paying attention to and then you get to the end of the day dang I've not had any of that and that can be a very simple change that doesn't require that much effort as well because it might be something you're doing but not three meals out of the day Hey, what's going on? This is Matteo Luzzeri and uh, welcome to the Waterski Podcast or welcome back to the Waterski Podcast. Um, this podcast's goal is to promote water skiing. Uh, I'm going to do so through interviews, answering questions, providing the occasional sports psychology tips for water skiing, and just ramble around about water skiing whenever I feel like. Um, I've been traveling quite extensively for skiing, just got back from uh, the Bennett Ski School, where I watched the Bayou Classic, um, famous collegiate tournament in the South Central region. Saw some big scores, particularly men and women jump. Uh, wow, these uh, collegiate kids are flying nowadays. Uh, I believe there was someone with 168 or 169 in men's jump that didn't make top five. So the level is insane. I'm really looking forward to watch and follow the collegiate nationals this year, which will be in California in about two weeks' time, two to three weeks' time. Um so while at Bennett's, I had a chance to catch up with a great friend of mine, uh, Brittany Greenwood, who was there competing like I was in a record tournament on Sunday. So before the tournament, we sat down and had a chance to catch up with her about her latest skiing, but also we talked a little bit about nutrition. Now, Brittany is a registered dietitian and currently works in a private practice uh, of a cardiologist providing a uh, nutritional advice and planning for cardiac patients. But naturally, she has a ton of knowledge about um, nutrition, and she's an athlete. So I wanted to pick her brain and see what simple advice she could give uh, to the water ski world in terms of nutrition and hydration. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this chat. Uh, we laugh a lot in this one. I really had a good time talking to her um, on Saturday evening. Had a pleasure, you know, to sit down and chat with her. We've been longtime friends, and I think this really transpires in the interview. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Stay tuned. Uh, more episodes to come in the next few weeks. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for giving me this interview. Welcome to the Waterski Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Good, good. Um, we're here at Bennett Ski School to ski a little tournament tomorrow. How are you feeling? Feeling all right. Uh, still, you know, getting back into the swing of things after Worlds in Malaysia and uh, starting to work 
completely full time now. You know, work life balance yep. is a it's a big part of trying to be an adult, I guess. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. So you were at Worlds representing the U.S. For yes. Worlds? Nice. Yes. That was actually my first time going to the Open Worlds, which was pretty pretty awesome. Nice. What do you enjoy about the experience? Um, you know, I actually got to stay with Jay and Ann Bennett, and that was a uh, that was quite entertaining to be able to stay with them and explore with them especially because jay has so much experience throughout mm -hmm. all of these um, events over the years so that was really neat and then you know getting to know people that i hadn't really gotten to spend much time with maybe because of the age difference or not really um competing with them whether it like be a certain country and then getting to see the monkeys that was fun uh, yeah, that was i awesome. saw a lot of pictures of those <laughs> what was that all about like the monkeys so there was this part in the main city called kuala lumpur mm -hmm. and they had this cave and it was um it had to do with their religion and you went up into this cave but along the way you walked up all these beautiful stairs that were painted different colors and all these monkeys were just hanging around and so okay. we were just walking up the stairs into this cave and then they would basically attack you if you had food um it was kind of kind of funny but like kind of creepy at the same time <laughs> <laughs> a little intense experience there yeah 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 so and you knew that they were maybe a little dirty so you're like right. maybe don't touch me but like i kind of want a picture with you so you know yeah. the give and take <laughs> good old selfies you know to yes. take home oh yeah definitely got a selfie there you go there you go <laughs> Uh, listen, so Worlds, obviously, you know, some would say the pinnacle of our sport. Yeah. Uh, How did you get into the sport? Well, my parents, they both water skied growing up. Um, my dad in Arkansas, my mom in Indiana mm -hmm. on public lakes. You know, they were both one of five. And so they would just water ski in the summers. And they ended up going to college for skiing. My dad went to um, ULM, UNLU at the time. Okay. Um, and then my mom actually, she was in Florida, uh, I think the University of Florida with her sister. She didn't know that she was good enough to ski out of school on scholarship. Uh. And Monroe calls her and says, hey, we want you to come ski for us. You know, she could jump 100 feet at the time, trick whatever, okay. and okay. run into 28 off. So, they recruited her, and then, you know, my parents, they met there, moved back to Arkansas, mm -hmm. built us a lake, which is pretty cool, and then I've been skiing since I was, I guess, three, and then competing since I was seven, so it's just part of the heritage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of those things, like, when I, kind of like when I asked Igor, when did you start skiing? He goes, oh, I can't even remember. Like, yeah, exactly. You just, it's in your blood. <laughs> Do you remember your first set? Anything? Oh, gosh, no, but I'm sure, like... I've seen pictures of them dragging us in the yard, skiing us on the side of the boat, and just all of the like toddler pictures. Right. Um, I do remember dropping my first ski, and I was so frustrated. Um, and I think I just like swam in and walked home because <laughs> I was like, I don't like this. I don't want to do this anymore. But of course, I ended up getting on a, up on a slalom ski, and it was fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So competing at seven, that's early. Yeah, pretty early. Yeah, I, I think we're pretty fortunate in the U.S. that there's a lot of kids our age. Mm -hmm. um, just growing up, you, we have uh, junior development tournaments, in uh, especially in our region in the South Central, that encourages that junior skiing. Mm -hmm. So I was able to do that. And, of course, you go ski with your friends. You want to keep skiing with your friends. Um, so I think that really, like, helped me because 
I didn't I wasn't really competitive whenever I was younger it wasn't until I got older I got that drive to be um, a little bit more competitive so hanging out with the buddies of course like that's that's the best part you know like we're sitting here just hanging out like right just buds you know so what was it do you remember because I think for everyone sooner or later something happens to where you know it triggers and all of a sudden you want it do you remember what it was for you um you know, I don't know exactly what it was that triggered, but I do remember my dad telling me after I was done with Girls 1 and I was in Girls 2, I guess I was kind of like 11 or 12, mm-hmm. I had started jumping and I wasn't really doing it because everybody else was doing it. I was doing it for me. Um, and mm. I think I kind of like found that passion through jumping really because I, I got good and I was like, right. sweet, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, let's keep this going. And of course, like I was still competing um with all the other girls like at a national level at that age you know I I think I won like an overall national title or whatever and I think that was that was pretty cool and then moving forward it was just like okay let's do this I'm ready to go um yeah I don't know it wasn't necessarily like a specific thing I think like maybe like maturing a bit helped yeah. <laughs> and obviously in jump is interesting because generally jump comes at a later stage in a water skier's life no matter when you start so there you already have an idea of how tournaments work what effort you have to put in right so that's what i hear a lot from a lot of jumpers like that's something for me that i decided to do mm-hmm. and that i i brought forward right yes like you yeah. really have to have the skier that wants it yeah right? You have to make that decision like internally, okay, either I want to go over this ramp or I'm just going to, you know, sit back here and do whatever else everybody else is doing. You know, like it's quite a lot of effort to throw yourself <laughs> at that thing yeah. um, and just like day in and day out, making sure that you're having the right technique to stay safe. And then again, having the right technique to propel yourself forward. So like there's a lot and I'm not trying to discredit any of the other events, but like that's it's in the same for all of the other events i think it's just always like going to be a different attitude whether yeah which event you're in you know like yeah it takes it takes different different different, challenges mm -hmm. yeah and different decisions yeah and it's interesting because i mean it's funny enough like i'm a slalomer and you're already my second jumper in a road interview so i'm (laughs) I'm stoked you know um but uh what were some of your breakthroughs like and it doesn't have to be i mean it could be a win or could be some competition or it could be something that you figured out and really brought your jump to the next level. Do you remember some of those? Um, you know, my dad in college, he had recruited Mark Lane to ULM. And years later, whenever I think I was like 10 or 11, he had brought Mark to ski with us. Yep. And so Mark has been my coach for quite a long time. And I think that's what really, like, got me excited about jumping. Um, And I think that's what really helped because he was a professional jumper. I looked up to him. Mm -hmm. um, And that was, you know, that was pretty cool. So I think that helped. um, And I won, um, like, nationals. I I broke a 10-year-old national record at, like, 12. um, And the record still stands, I think, 10 years later. Like, I think I still have it, which is actually – that's pretty um, neat. Yeah. Um, so at such a young age, like having success was pretty cool. Um, and then even this year, like I've kind of had um, a few years of just kind of like, okay, going through the motions. And then this year was another breakthrough. Like I just kind of dug deep and I was like, okay, what am I going to do to like 
get moving forward Mm -hmm. and um i pv'd by 13 feet and it was kind of one of those things like i had it coming but i was like you got to put in the work to have that result and i've been able to be in the gym in the winter and just like really hone in on my skill um and it's been it's been pretty cool and then like going to the world like that was pretty fun to do that and just like also be able to pay for it myself as an adult was kind of cool <laughs> uh, there you go there you go yeah and we'll talk about like what kind of work you're doing to to pay off you know to be able to pay your dad like that's gonna yeah. be <laughs> our second part for sure that's awesome and uh wow 13 feet pb that's yeah. huge yeah i uh my best was 163 and I had jumped it like a handful of times and then I jumped I don't I don't even know what I my first jump was and then my second jump you know I was like okay like that was a good spot on my first jump like you know I, f- I feel like I have like I c- I've been practicing I have more in me and I was like okay just take it a little bit easier just drive through the ramp mm-hmm. 176 what okay <laughs> take me into the dock <laughs> let's go in did you that, go in yeah i went in um i was like okay that was pretty big like was that real um i don't know <laughs> but it was definitely real because like the next round um or the round after i went 170 and then even the next weekend i went 175 so that was like okay so you broke through yeah broke through finally um it's been it's been a it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. It always is. Isn't always it? is, but it's rewarding, you know. So. So what? Where was that? What was that? One seventy six. Um, that was at when was that? That was in July. Um, we actually had the junior development tournament at our house for the mm-hmm. first time, which is pretty cool because my little brother's eleven, and so he had all of his little buddies like right. at our lake, and so um, my dad thought of an idea like, hey. We're going to have all these juniors here. Might as well bring in some top jumpers. So Taylor Garcia was there, Sasha, um, Taryn Grant, Harry Spaven, my brother, Sam, yeah. um, and then myself. And Taylor jumped 230. I think Taryn broke the Canadian uh, national record with 174 or 5. Like, super awesome. And Sasha jumped really well. Sam had jumped good. And I think um, Harry had, like, a pretty solid round, you know, or wow. rounds over the weekend. So it was kind of cool to let the little guys know, hey, you guys can maybe do this one day, you know? Like, yeah. this is what you have to look up to. So Yeah, it's funny, like, how um – when I interviewed Igor Morozov last week, we did speak out, out of the mic about, you know, like the importance of seeing what you could become. Right. Right. So like you gifted something to these kids, you know, mm-hmm. like they saw what's possible. Mm-hmm. And do you remember anything like that for you growing up? Um, you know, we used to have the U.S. Open at the U.S. Nationals. All right. Right. And I remember that being really awesome. I don't necessarily remember the women as much as the men because of course that's like the prime show um and then again like mark lane like he was um our coach and he would always come to our house after a pro tournament right so he would maybe be flying in from russia switzerland you know one of the pro um the world cup stops whatever it was so he would always be telling us about this and he was like you know one day you're gonna be skiing and like pretty crappy conditions and like you got to be prepared for it like blah 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 and like but you're gonna still do good at it um so you know i think that was but we don't have that exposure anymore like for the younger kids and i think Mm -hmm. like at our u.s nationals we're starting to bring that back a little bit for america's cup oh yeah the Um, america's cup yeah. yeah which is pretty cool but i only really remember like the u.s 
open, um, Mark talking about stuff. Um, yeah, that's about it. Were you were you one of those kids like growing up like looking at the rankings, looking at what scores people were doing, or were you sort of like not in touch with that? You know, I was all about my scores. <laughs> right, right, right. But honestly, I was um, maybe thinking about it like this year or last year. I had no idea what all the other girls were doing. Right. I just was so involved in, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm, okay, this is whatever my PB is. I'm trying to push it. Um, and I know, like, that's what I have to do. It's kind of one of those things, like, stay in my lane and I'm going to be able to yeah. proceed and get better. Um, and that's a tough balance, right? Because on one hand, you have your plan, you're, you're trying to work on something to get that breakthrough or that small improvement. And then on the other hand, especially in another, we're all connected. You, right. You're always exposed to what everybody's doing. And sometimes that can be detrimental, yeah. right? You know, um, there's this saying, comparison is the thief of happiness. And mm -hmm. I, uh, I find that true time after time. You know, if I catch myself like frustrated with my skiing or even like um, at the gym, like with CrossFit, like I'll, you know, compare my numbers to someone else or compare my scores to someone else. I'm like, that doesn't matter. We're literally not even the same person. We right. don't have the same experiences. It doesn't matter. You know, like I need to work on what I need to work on to do and obtain my goals. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then if I'm comparing, I'm just going to be moping around. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's not that much fun. I want, I'm not there to have fun. <laughs> so listen, you know, obviously huge PB. Yeah. Like, and I know it's always a combination of things, but mm -hmm. anything that you've done differently this year that helped you to, you know, break 170 and honestly going again 170 and 175, like consistent, like yeah. making a point. Um, you know, I definitely attribute it to being stronger, um, working on my nutrition. Like that's definitely part of it. Um, you know, I just took time and I really like, evaluated each set and it kind of goes back to like I started working this year and I didn't have this freedom to be skiing all day every day so um you know we talk about it a lot but like quality over quantity mm -hmm. if I only have one set in the day I better make it a freaking good set right or if I if it's not good still find a positive out of it mm -hmm. and I think that was such a valuable thing that we focused on like all summer um so I think that was really like a big turning point. And I kind of had to do that last year with my um, internship whenever I was living in New Orleans. Like I would drive over to Bennett's and maybe ski once or twice a week. And right. that was weird for me because I wasn't used to jumping just once or twice a week. I was used to jumping every single day. Right. Um, so definitely that quality over quantity and just being like a lot more focused in exactly what you're doing, you know, yeah. spending that energy rather than just kind of being like willy-nilly okay i'm gonna go take set i can always take another one like yeah, tomorrow maybe. you know yeah and like sure you're hot you'll have another set but like if you make this one a good one like that one will probably be just as good or better so yeah and i like how you said like really taking the time to evaluate and always find a positive right mm -hmm. and spoiler alert that i'm gonna be doing a, a podcast <laughs> about that but like a lot of it is you know being able to analyze what you did and as you know very well, it's finding the good when the set went bad. 
right finding the bad when the said went good which is sometimes easier mm-hmm. uh and in the in the, all those average sets that make a season really try to tease it out and see what you can take out of it you know yeah. so yeah i mean good on you that's that's a big skill and it takes practice yeah it, takes it definitely practice. takes practice um and i think that also comes like just maturing like mm-hmm. as an athlete you know i think um i'm 25 now and i don't know when that happened but right (laughs) like shoot i'm not 18 anymore you know so um definitely trying to make it worthwhile every every time um so it's been a fun summer it really has um so had malaysia malibu open and then have beach games in qatar all right um, right in a couple weeks so that'll be fun it'll be really really uh, exciting to go to Qatar. That's going to be a definitely a interesting experience yep. and a definitely uh, interesting culture. So I'm excited. Yeah, first time in the Middle East. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Cool. No, nice. <laughs> um, I I guess I've just never ventured over there. It's always uh, Europe or Asia, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, that's cool. No, there's actually you probably know him, Aris from Greece. Yeah. His dad is a, fi- a pilot for Emirates, so he oh. lives in Doha. So oh, I wonder nice. if he's going to come and watch. Well, he should. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nice to see some familiar fl- faces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why yeah. not? And uh, what's that event about? Because I've heard about it. Is he going to be jumping wakeboarding? Yes. So it's being put on by the Olympic Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually supposed to be in San Diego. And I think that fell through probably a month or two months ago. And they brought it to Qatar. I think they had a World Cup stop there in 2007. It's kind of like in a canal. Okay. And um, so I think it's brackish water. So where the wa- the fresh and the salt water meets. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just jump and it's just wakeboard they're bringing in um a ramp i think beeman flew a ramp over there which is actually pretty cool jt had mentioned that at malibu um and then they also said that they brought in a new nautique and they're bringing like a new jump or not a jump uh a wakeboard nautique as well so it's gonna be solid pretty pretty neat wow Yeah. And you guys going to get some practice there? like? Yeah, I think we have one or two days of practice, prelims, finals kind of thing. I think okay. there's 12 women's jumpers, 12 men's jumpers, and I think the same for wakeboarding as well. Oh, so sweet. Pretty, sweet. pretty cool deal. Yeah. Do you know who else is going for the U.S.? Um, so Scott Ellis was supposed to go, yeah. but Marion got hurt in Malibu, and so he's going to stay and take care of her, which um, – that's awesome on him you know like gotta do what you gotta do and then there are two wakeboarders that i don't know the name of and then our team coach is actually the team coach that went for the pan am games and my dad was the u.s manager for the pan am games so he met her and he's like yeah you'll like her she's great so i've been in contact with her a little bit um excited to meet her and kind of get to know some wakeboarders i guess (laughs) yeah why not why not yeah exactly spread the love water sports i love i love those events actually like i've done mediterranean games and you guys obviously have panam games yeah world games have you've been to world games i've never been to world games Uh, but i do like those events where it's all the sports you mm-hmm. know all, every single kind of athlete so you walk into you know to get some lunch and you see like a seven foot swimmer and yeah. you're like hey what's up you know? yeah hey i'm an athlete too <laughs> <laughs> i know you can see me from up there but uh, yeah i'm an athlete they too. would definitely yeah. not be able to see me <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh gosh. Oh. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, I know whenever we went to Poland in uh, 2017 for World Games, mm-hmm. there was, oh my gosh, there was so many sports and we would get done skiing because there was a really small field and we we're like, okay, let's go watch whatever we watch. Right. I think we watched jujitsu, handball, like rhythmic gymnastics. It was, it was really neat. That's and then cool. some people came and watched water skiing too, which yeah. I was, I was thinking that's pretty sweet, you know? No, no, no. That, that's one of the fun part of those yeah. events, right? You see like, I guess for you, like a U.S. flag of someone that you don't know about or like, yeah. oh yeah, hey, what's hey, up? Country, I come to see your thing. Yeah. Right. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. pretty cool. It is pretty cool for sure. Sweet. So I threw in the lunch, you know, idea, because obviously one of the things I want to talk with you about is nutrition. Right. So could you just give us a background about like what your title is, what what your job is currently, what you've been doing with nutrition? Yes. So I am titled or um, licensed as a registered dietitian nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what that means is I have my degree in dietetics or nutrition. Um, specifically, mine is in dietetics. Um, you know, I saw something on Facebook or Instagram and it was, you know, kind of taking a jab at dietetics uh, majors and it was saying, you know, we take biochemistry, organic chemistry, anatomy and physiology, cheese tasting, and just, you know, like, and I think Lauren Morgan sent me a message. She said, cheese tasting, really? And I said, we literally had a food science lab with cheese tasting. We made ricotta cheese, like four different ways with all of these like coagulants and different salts and stuff. And we tasted them. And, you know, like, that's part of like our curriculum and you know like I'll use that with baking if I'm like oh man I forgot to add something oh that's why it turns out this way whatever right um so I it's, clearly got into the wrong degree yeah here. yeah for I sure I would love a cheese tasting class yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, pretty good pretty good um no so you know my my degree is a little bit interesting it's not necessarily just about um fruits and vegetables but after I did my um degree you have to go and do an internship so kind of like um, nursing they do an internship or like their clinicals Mm -hmm. um, or even uh, medical students they do a residency so I had to do a matching program for my internship and I actually got matched um, in New Orleans at Tulane so that was really really neat um, in the fact that New Orleans is such a diverse culture and community Mm -hmm. So I had 20 plus rotations over 11 months. So I was in community settings. I was in food service settings. I was in hospital settings, like um, outpatient settings, inpatient, you name it. And I probably did it. Wow. Um, So by the time that I was done, I kind of knew what I wanted to do with um, my degree, my career. And then after the internship, I sat for an exam, passed the exam. Then I was deemed my title registered dietitian. Okay. Nutritionist. Um, so now after I have become, I think I'm almost been a dietitian for a year, actually. I passed my exam September 23rd or 24th last year. So okay. that's kind of cool. We're, we're two, two days close to your uh, dietitian birthday. Yeah, yeah, my birthday. Yeah. Um, so after that, I got a job earlier this year. Um, it took a little bit to get a job, which kind of was 
a bummer, but yep. it is what it is. It's just getting the first job is a lot harder than you think. It's the toughest job, right? The <laughs> yeah. first one. Yeah. But um, no, it's good now. I actually work for a cardiologist. He owns a private practice mm-hmm. a little bit outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, Little Rock is the capital of Arkansas. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Educating on geography. Here. Yes. Yes. Everybody should know. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> So I work for a cardiologist for a private practice, and um, they refer any kind of patient to me, um, usually patients with diabetes, obesity, um, hypertension, renal disease, or kidney um, failure. And then I also have a big hand in our intensive cardiac rehab program. Um, with the nutrition side. So okay. I do nutrition education lectures basically every day um, alongside like food um, that they're served. And I explain to them, you know, whatever we're having. And um, actually yesterday we did a food demo before I left to come down here. Um, so that was pretty cool. But it's a it's a pretty full on job with all of the different programs. We're about to start a diabetes program, so helping um, educate diabetics in the area, and then we actually have a cancer rehab program as well. So anyone oh, wow. that's like in can uh, not in cancer that has cancer or has been like two years post um, having you know been diagnosed they can come and do our program and so they can so they exercise every day monday wednesday friday and then on mondays they have an education lesson and then wednesday and friday they do stress management so that's like we have a um a clinical or medical yoga therapist so it's it's a pretty cool um program in that aspect and especially because some of these women have come in and they're you know pretty fatigued or depressed and now they have a group to hang out with and they're feeling better you know so um pretty cool we're doing some interesting stuff at our clinic and it's uh pretty small too and very and very multidisciplinary right so you have like medicine you have like um exercise you have nutrition i mean you're taking a holistic approach yeah and i think that's you know that's a huge thing. People yeah. think, oh, I'm just going to exercise and I'll be fine or oh, I'll only eat this way and I'll be fine or whatever you have. Um, but it's it's just like skiing. You I was going to say. You yeah. can't just work on your gait and expect to run all six buoys. Like yep. you got to work on stuff in the course, you know, out whatever. Of course, out of physical, course, equipment. like mental. Yeah, yeah. The whole nine yards, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I, I work for some pretty awesome people. And see, that's that's the thing, like, because, you know, we talked about your skin and obviously you said, like, we, we agree it's never one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you get a certain level where you're trying to break through at a high level, it's never only technique or only equipment or only physical. And I think a lot of skiers that might be listening to this know that it's more than just one thing. Right. But my sense and that's why I really wanted to bring you here, is that I don't see them focusing on nutrition as one of those components, right? Yeah. Do you agree? Like, do you see a lack of attention there? Yeah, I do. Um, Because I think as water skiers, I think that we think that we can get away with it. Uh You know, um, we're already good athletes. Maybe we're already naturally in shape, so we don't necessarily have to rely on our nutrition. Where... You know, I've talked to many people that have um, 
just made slight improvements and they're like, man, my energy is so much better. I'm able to work out and ski a couple times in the day. Whereas like they weren't able to do both, you know, like that's quite a bit of demand on your body. Um, and then also your energy levels. So I think it's, um, yeah, people definitely leave it on the wayside. And of course, like we're a very social group as water skiers. So, you know, like we went and out in Charleston, had great food, you know, great company. And so I think that's something people have to be mindful about that are not usually mindful about that. Um, And it's not that you can't go out and enjoy those things. I think it's just a conscious effort and conscious decision to say, okay, I'm competing. I'm trying to excel in this. I need to really make some adjustments. Yeah. It could be so minor. 10% improvement could equal and yield like a hundred percent improvement you know yeah for sure so i think um definitely like something i keep coming back to i keep reading things in my downtime and fruits and vegetables man (laughs) right right (laughs) they are never going out of style exactly (laughs) um and if there's one thing we know in nutrition science or just anything related to nutrition is that fruits and vegetables are good for you right and um they're gonna provide you so much energy and nutrients you know fiber like holy smokes people don't realize like how important fiber is right (laughs) like (laughs) it's crazy i know and so delicious (laughs) delicious <laughs> right 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 and yeah. that's kind of like one of the things um i guess that i'm that i would like for you to to help us with is do you see any common mistakes and i'm not just talking about like high level skiers i'm talking about like water skiers in general like do you see any sort of like common mistakes that they do in terms of their nutrition or maybe uh, their hydration as well, like right, right. some some simple things that you know, some easy changes. Um, just even starting with hydration, you know, we're around a lake. We are outside. We're primarily like an outdoor sport. Right. I think that's super important, and you don't have to. I think just getting on top of your hydration before you potentially become dehydrated is very very important. Um, just paying attention to your urine. I know that maybe is a little TMI, but paying attention to the color and the smell. It doesn't, you don't have to be hitting certain marks, but you can tell, okay, if it's starting to smell a certain way, shoot, I need to go drink a bottle of water right now and stay out of the sun. Um, You know, something that I like to utilize, especially on um, weekends with tournaments is electrolyte tablets and, uh-huh. and you know what you can pick those up at the grocery like wherever I like the noon tablets because I can like cut them in half and like pop them in a water bottle chug the water bottle I'm like okay start feel a little bit better yeah um, but that's that's pretty that's definitely um, something to keep in mind and especially because I know we like to drink coffee. Right. Um, yeah, well, you're talking to the right yeah, person yeah. <laughs> here. <laughs> um, and it's not necessarily that coffee is going to dehydrate you, but it actually makes your um, urine more concentrated, mm-hmm. and that's that diuretic effect. So you're just losing your 
fluids more quickly. It's not necessarily that, that it's dehydrating you. So if you are someone that is drinking coffee often, just have a glass of water before you have your coffee. Or if you're someone that likes a couple glasses or a couple cups of coffee, drink a glass in between if you know that you're going and you're skiing or you know that you're being active that day. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's just a simple solution in that fact. Um, and then moving along to like nutrition, um, you know, maybe you are like a breakfast person, maybe you aren't, but if you know that you're going out to the lake, you have to have something in your stomach, um, because that food is our fuel and that's going to yield you energy to be able to do your sport, you know? And I think, um, a lot of people think they can get away without eating or they could just have like a muffin or something that's not necessarily going to provide them like the best energy rather than like just plain as day, a piece of whole grain toast with like a little bit of peanut butter on there, Right. you know? That whole grain toast is a complex carbohydrate. It's going to give you energy, fiber, that little bit of protein has some fat and or some good fats and some protein. Simple as that. You're going to be able to digest it pretty easily rather than that muffin with like those refined sugars. You yeah, know? see, that's, that's, that's a very interesting advice there because in my, I guess, simplistic brain, those are very similar ways of having breakfast. But then if you break it down to the macronutrients, it's a completely different breakfast, right? Right. And they might take the exact same amount of time. Right. You know, like literally five minutes for each. Even if that muffin is coming out of your pantry, by the time you open it up, like peel the thing off and then like eat it, you know, or you pop a one piece of toast in the toaster Toaster, right and then slab it on there you're like oh five minutes you know like sure like there's a little bit more convenience for a muffin or a pop tart or whatever um but i think just trying to be more detailed in choices Mm -hmm. can make such a big difference and that was an example that was pretty um not so complex or so complicated that it's not obtainable to the average person, to the average, like anybody, you know, athlete, high end, low end, anywhere, you know, that's not, um, something that no, like my little brother could do that. He's like, yeah, I don't even like peanut butter though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we try with some other nut butter. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So the other thing I wanted to ask you is I think a lot of people, like a lot of skiers out there, are very concerned with timing, right? So, mm-hmm. like, of course, our sport is a bit weird in the sense that you have to ski. So, like, tomorrow we have to ski. And so, right. we're going to look at the running order and guesstimate when we're skiing. Right. You see what I mean? Yep. So, like, what is your general advice in terms of, like, how soon you should eat before, say, a skiing performance, which is generally, you know, what, seven minutes, six minutes? Yeah, yeah. Um. So, just some, like, general sports nutrition is, um, you know, having a good source of carbohydrates and that could just be as simple as an orange, right? You know, you just have an orange and that's also going to be hydrating. You know, that orange is like probably pretty dang juicy. Maybe you get one that's not so juicy. Right, right. <laughs> you never know. Maybe you're in Florida and you're good. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, that could be pretty simple. Just making sure that you have something in your stomach, but most importantly, you want to have something that's easy to digest. So maybe like tomorrow, for example, you know that you're going to ski at 11. 
okay. and you're like, oh, but I really want to have like a big old breakfast at nine. Well, do you think from nine to 11 that that breakfast is going to be digested? Or rather, like, should you have maybe like break up your breakfast into like having a little bit smaller and then maybe a snack, like maybe have kind of like a snack at nine and then a snack at 10. And then by 11, like your energy has been sustained through those couple hours and you're good to go. Like you don't feel heavy. You've digested um, on those terms because you still want that energy to be able to perform. Right. But you don't want to be working so hard so this is kind of cool and i want you guys like well as listeners and even you mateo but i want you to notice something whenever you eat within like 10 20 30 minutes put your hands on your stomach after you've eaten and if your stomach is feeling warm that's your body's digestive system so basically what that is is all of the blood has gone to your stomach your intestines to help with that digestion process But if your digestion is taking too long, right, and if it's not within that 30-minute window or whatever, it's taking like up to 45 an hour, well, that blood is still going to be working hard digesting. Well, when we ski, we need our blood in our muscles. Right. We need them in our liver and our kidney. You know, like we need them in our lungs. Like we need, well, we don't need blood in our lungs, but we need blood in different parts of our body rather than working on our digestion. So I think that's something really important just as like a general sports nutrition um, side is to make sure that we're having something easy to digest, but have sustainable energy. Okay. And is there, because I know there are the individual differences, obviously, but, um, is there some like more like macronutrients or general foods that you know take longer to digest than others? Like any advice there? Yep. So carbohydrates digest the easiest, proteins, and then fat. Right. So that's where the keto thing comes in, right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So just kind of like segueing into that, um, you know, that's why keto works for certain people mm-hmm. because you eat like a pretty hefty like maybe fat, um, heavy meal and your digestion takes a long time. So your hunger is curbed for a long time. Right. That's where that comes into play. Um, and so it works better for certain people. Like I prefer to eat every couple hours. So my source of energy is going to be the carbohydrates because you're going to get energy from the carbohydrates or the fat Yeah, is kind of where that comes from, which, and I'm, you know, all that the no. fun stuff <laughs> right 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 no it's interesting that, that you bring that up because obviously I w- as we were talking and i know we're trying to educate here but i was also thinking about what to eat tomorrow for breakfast <laughs> and yeah and generally my breakfast is just eggs you know right um and but at the same time because i do work as well i don't get to ski in the morning so i never get a chance to test eggs ski how much time to, should I have in the middle? Right. So right. my question for you is, how early should I wake up tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's <laughs> that is a good question. Don't wake up too early. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and that's something you have to play with. Everyone is different. Yeah. Um, and and like I said, I prefer carbohydrates as my source of energy and you prefer fat or you you know maybe it's like well for example low carb high fat or high fat low carb if you want to kind of like put it in um, different terms so it it just depends and you really have to play with it yeah 
um, because sometimes your digestion is going to be better. Sometimes you're just going to be able to burn easier. Um, that's just definitely something to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is hard if you're working and you don't necessarily ski early in the morning. Yeah. But maybe that's like an early season. Yeah. Test. Yeah. Test it out. So I'll tell you. Okay. So I'll tell you what I've been working on and then you tell me if it's a good strategy tomorrow. Okay. Okay. So, um, as you know, a lot of endurance athletes have been going to the ketogenic diet. Yeah. Um, but for anaerobic sports like ours, Mm -hmm. like I know that like some MMA fighters are testing it and, you know, and I've heard the two general approaches with it are either cyclical ketogenesis mm-hmm. so like they get off every three three days or they carb up just before performance and i've been playing with the second option so and by carb up i mean i have a handful of blue blueberries which yeah. for me it's like sugar to the roof you know right right um and it's been working all right okay it's been working all right so i wonder do you think i should maybe try that tomorrow for breakfast or is it not going to be too like is it not going to last enough No, I think that would be a good idea. I think, um, you know, the motto that they go off of is um, train low, compete high. And that's in terms of carbohydrates. Uh And I I think that um, because you have depleted your body of um, those sugars, glucose, basically the glycogen, what it turns into, um, whenever you receive blueberries... Yeah. It is like, man, it shoots fire and you're right. like utilizing it like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that is a good way to to be able to shift it, um, you know, and there's also like carb cycling right. on the other end. Like you can cycle with ketosis and you can cycle with carbohydrates. So there's definitely ways to like optimize. Um, but yeah, I would definitely try your blueberries tomorrow. Yeah, there you um, go. Or if you have strawberries, I don't know, whatever you want. Well, lo- we'll go to a supermarket after this yeah. and see what I can find. <laughs> uh, and one of the things that obviously I'm guessing you're going to agree with this, but um, if I guess what we can say to the listeners is if you're trying a certain, like there's a difference between making simple changes in your nutrition yeah. that you know, um, are going to be healthier or right. easier or to undergo a certain style of eating. Yeah. Like, and I guess the advice there would be don't do it by yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for example, like whenever I was younger, I didn't really know like all that much about nutrition, say like when I was in high school, right? right? I was just doing research on my own and I was eating paleo. And so I was, I didn't really know what paleo was, but I was like having these paleo muffins right? and like making all these paleo treats. And then realizing like afterwards, I was like, maybe that wasn't necessarily like the, the hundred percent best way to do it. Um, and I kind of burn out on it, right? It yeah. wasn't something I could do every single day. Um, but at the time I wasn't as educated and didn't really understand like what that looked like. So now whenever I talk to clients, usually it's a heart patient. So I'm, we really talk about salt a lot. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) in South Louisiana or even in, you know, Florida, Arkansas, your food needs to have some salt on it. You know, like it's got to taste good. Um, so whenever I tell my clients, you know, Hey, we gotta, we gotta make these changes. I ask them, do you think that you can make this change? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if they cannot make that change, we have to find a solution. And that's 
that's kind of like where I'm going with this. Like if you don't think you're going to be able to sustain that change, like if you're someone that wants to go and do keto, right? if you think, okay, I can do that for two weeks, cool, you can do it for two weeks, but can you do it for a year? Can you do it for like, can you do that for the rest of your life? That's something that you have to think about. Like you have to have a sustainable way of eating. Mm -hmm. If not, you're going to go back to what you know. And maybe like you're someone that maybe is trying to lose weight or you're maybe trying to look for athletic performance. But there's tons of research that shows, especially in weight loss, that 90% of people that lose weight will gain it back. Right. Which is like nuts to me because I'm like, man, all these people are working so hard. They like lose this weight and then 90% of them, they gain it back. Well, if they would have maybe started with something that was sustainable yeah. and maybe they just made small changes rather than like a drastic thing or like something that they maybe couldn't have done before maybe they would have lost the weight and kept it off and i you think know? that's where that's where the you know i almost think like the big changes are easier to understand than the small changes you see what right. i mean so like you want the like you want the instant gratification if i do these big changes i know that this will happen right and but I th- yeah <laughs> and i think though that and we do know that sustainable small changes progressively work better both right. physically and psychologically right because yep. then you yep. get the reward and then you continue to do the same thing but i think that the small changes need to be informed by a professional yes. right yes. by someone that knows what those changes ought to be yeah right yeah uh so for all of you guys out there that are listening to this <laughs> if you are planning on making those small changes in terms of like getting like a bigger result first thing to do is to look for a professional yes. right yes um, um in terms of looking for a nutrition professional making sure that they have registered dietitian okay. um so this is something that um, make sure that they have had um, proper education, proper um, like practice yep. with clients and with patients. So a dietitian can call themselves a nutritionist. A nutritionist cannot call themselves a dietitian. Uh-huh. So that is know. that's kind of um, making that one a little bit more simple and clear as far as that but definitely searching for um and there's another one that i can't remember but i'll probably i can get that to you so look for a registered dietitian or it's like certified something i don't know um i'll get that one to you we'll look it up we'll look it up we'll put it in the show notes yeah there's only a there's only two that are really um the more qualified not that a nutritionist isn't but they can go take an online test or whatever and be a nutritionist in an hour whereas we have spent a degree and an internship possibly a master's or a doctorate or whatever yeah um so that's very important and especially because the dietitian has been trained in not only like the clinical side um but also some of the psychology like the psychology of the behavioral changes yeah um you know making those like you're saying like making the small changes um because some of these people that's what they that's what they need you know so and i think it's like like i mean psychologically or behaviorally it's a hard change to do right like you eat at let's say the vast majority of people eat three meals a day yeah for every day right so making a small change meals a week right 
right? Is that the right math? <laughs> yeah, that's a good math. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to do it times 365 for you, but yeah, it's no, a no, lot no. of meals. Yeah, okay? it's a lot of meals. For so sure. making even just a small change requires a certain degree of effort. Yep. Um, and so you kind of want to make sure that that effort goes towards changes that make sense, you know? So that's yeah. why I really suggest like, you know, to have a professional like yourself yeah. or someone else if they, if they do want to make those changes. Right. right? Yeah, and so my biggest one that I, I keep going back to with really a lot of people is if you just include produce at every meal. Uh-huh. So whether that's fruit or vegetables, mm-hmm. you know, like breakfast, it makes a little bit more sense to have fruit or maybe like if you make an omelet, like throw in like different veggies or whatever you have and then lunch make sure that you have a serving of vegetables maybe even fruit and then dinner same thing like that's a that's something that you might already be doing but you're not paying attention to and then you get to the end of the day dang i've not had any of that and that can be a very simple change that doesn't require that much effort as well because it might be something you're doing but not three meals out of the day right you know right, right. You, you just say i'll have it in the evening when yeah, i can have exactly, time to cook. yeah exactly exactly yeah. so and just for you know there's a lot of people like the two of us and, and others that might be listening who have a professional life who might not be able to cook all the time right um and in terms of vegetables and fruits i'll, I'll be curious to hear your opinion on frozen right because I see, I see a lot of people like bashing on it some people say hey better frozen than nothing what is your take on that? Yeah. So um, the options of fruits and vegetables is fresh, frozen, or canned. So fresh, fresh is like that's going to be your best option if it's available, right? Right. But frozen is actually pretty cool because they are picking the fruits and the vegetables at the peak of ripeness, mm-hmm. flash freezing it or flash processing it however and they're not losing any nutrients on that and it's actually cheaper to buy um, frozen fruits and vegetables and it's going to be um, something that is not going to go bad how many times have you looked in your drawer your crisper drawer and you're like dang that's gone bad it might have been like just some lettuce or something you're like some celery just curved in like it shouldn't be curved yeah and you're like, dang it. So if you were to have, I mean, I guess you don't really buy like frozen celery, but if no, we no. did have frozen celery, that would be a great example to make sure that you're not wa- food waste either, you know, right, like making right. sure that you're not wasting food. Um, so I think, I think frozen fruits and vegetables are great. Um, and there's a time and a place for them, you know, right. that's definitely And the same thing with canned fruits and vegetables. Like if you get canned fruits, always try to get them either in water or in their own syrups, not in mm-hmm. like a su- sugary syrup. Right. And then, um, same thing with the vegetables, making sure that there's no salt added because they are preserved in quite a lot of salt. And so making sure that you rinse them pretty well. Right. Um, but that those are all good options. You know, every everybody's budget's going to look different. Everyone's day, like you said, is going to look different. If right. having frozen or canned is going to be easier for, like, you having maybe a more well-rounded, ba- like, balanced meal, then shoot, go for it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay with all those things. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it's like one of those things, like, if you can't have fresh... 
Yeah. If not, go for frozen. If not, go for canned. Right. But you're, make sure you have your veggies, essentially. Yeah, for sure. You're not losing any nutrients on the frozen. Um, you're maybe losing a bit more on the canned just mm-hmm. because of uh, it's leaking through whatever fluids that it's sitting in or liquids. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Well, yeah. we'll be running for a while. Any final thoughts? Anything that you, you want our listeners to know? Eat your fruits and veggies. There you go. Okay. So if you're learning anything about this, make sure that you have fruits and veggies on your table at least three times a day, right? Yeah. At yeah. Least three for times sure. A day. For sure. Well, Britt, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing yeah. this. Thanks, Mateo. Hopefully I can get you back, you know, some other time. We'll maybe dive even a little bit deeper. Maybe some listeners will have questions and yeah, hopefully questions, we can address them. Shoot them my way. Okay. We'll cool. do. Thanks a lot. Alrighty. Boom. Thank you.